just want to tell you, next week we're going to be starting a new sermon series on the book of Acts. And uh, if you've never had a really deep dive in the book of Acts, we're going to do some stories. Not every story, not every line, not every paragraph. We're going to pick the highlights and pick, walk through for 10 weeks. We're going to look at 10 stories. And uh, I think you'll find it to be uh, really stimulating. The, I, I like Acts. I get really excited about it because it's, there are three Genesis events in the scriptures. There's the book of Genesis, the big beginning where God creates. Then God creates the church. This is the second great beginning in the Bible. And then, of course, the third we've already spent you know, several months where we talked about the book of Revelation and the new heaven and the new earth, which is that third great Genesis moment in the Bible. Now, today, we have a very special guest. Uh, Mark Templeton is here from the Brethren in Christ Church, and he is the new, well, he's not so new now, you've been here a while, but um, new to us in, in terms of, uh, we haven't had a chance to get introduced to you before, and he is the new development officer of the Brethren in Christ. So I would like to invite you to come and explain what development officer means, <laughs> and tell us all about it. Uh, stewardship. We're really glad to have you. Why don't why don't you let me pray for you as we begin? Yes. Lord, I want to pray over Mark. I thank you for this brother, and uh, thank you for his devoted heart. And I pray that today as he speaks to us, that you will speak through him, and that you will spread your word. I, I thank you and ask you to bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you, Pastor John. And it's been so nice to be here this morning and to get to meet uh, many of you, and I look forward to meeting maybe even more of you at, at the conclusion of the service. But uh, just by way of introduction, again, my name is Mark Templeton, and I have the privilege of serving as development officer for the Brethren in Christ U.S. So uh, we have churches, if you're not aware, all across the United States in pockets from Kansas to California to Florida to Ohio, um, the, the Four Corners region, and I was very happy uh, to hear in the prayer this morning praying for Malawi, and we have missionaries across the, across the globe, and it is so nice to be part of uh, a full family. And uh, a little about me, before coming on board to serve with the Brethren in Christ, I served nine years at Messiah University in the Office of Development where I learned quite a few things about uh, stewardship and fundraising and then have the opportunity now to bring those gifts and serve the greater church with them. So it is my privilege to be here. And, and as John said, what is development? And I get that question quite a bit. And so development is, uh, encompasses quite a few areas, but for in a nutshell, Stewardship and generosity is a large part of what I work with people to work out. So as people consider their plans for what is left of their assets when they pass to glory, uh, a number of people fill those gaps by giving gifts to their children and their family. And a large part of people, particularly in our faith tradition, give charitably. And so I encourage people with how to do that in a very effective way that uh, accomplishes maybe some personal tax uh, savings goals in addition to uh, supporting and growing those charitable ministries that they've cared for throughout their lifetime. 
So that is, in a nutshell, what I do. And if you have some curiosity over that, I would love to have further conversation with you. I brought a little bit of literature, which is out in the lobby area. And I also brought some information with regards to our sister organization, the Brethren in Christ Foundation. And they offer different financial options for you to participate in. And I must admit that one of the pieces that I brought for them is slightly outdated. There, uh, it talks about a certificate of deposit that pays 4% over 13 months. They've updated that percentage now, certainly with what the market has been doing, uh, and it's 5% now. So if you have any interest in certificates of deposit, certainly let me know. I'll help you connect with the folks at the foundation. So uh, before we get started, if I can just uh, take a moment and say a prayer, I would love to start that way. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, may you clear our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to teach us today. May we be aware of your grace, your mercy, and your generosity, and seek to imitate you in all that we do and we say for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the, uh, the slide that you see in front of you says take, I think this is snapping and popping a little much, so hopefully that addresses that problem. I don't want to make anybody uh, hard of hearing because of these crackling and popping. Uh, so the slide in front of you says taking a fresh look at stewardship. Uh, all of us have heard the term stewardship and generosity before, but I'd like to just review over that in a little bit more depth today so we understand that a little bit better. All right, here, let's see. Okay, before we get started, I wanted to talk about a few different words as it relates to stewardship and generosity. And I am not trained as a pastor. But I have heard that if you bring a message, it's helpful when you have about three or four main points, and if they all have the same letter to start with, that makes it easier to remember. So before I get started, I wanted to talk about our position as it relates to our resources, our posture, and then the fact that when we have those first two things right, giving becomes a privilege. So what is our position? And as we take a look at our position towards our assets and our resources, it's helpful to go to Scripture. And that first verse that you see on the slide from the beginning of Genesis tells us, Then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So what is man's role? These are God's resources, and we tend and watch over them. So when we take a look at that language and we think of tending, it's a gardening term. We think about fertilizing, pulling weeds, pruning, and all those things are for the purpose of increasing growth, strength, and the productivity of the plants. So we're stewarding, we're tending towards growth. So our position is that of taking care of resources well enough that they grow and strengthen. So then next, we take a look at our posture. And it's easy to see then um, in this passage that's on the slide as well. And we're all familiar, if we've been around the church for a while, where Jesus tells us that no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And so as we look at that, what does that term serve mean? So in this context, it seems to point to our devotion or our worship, either of God or of money. So it's more of a, uh, a heart condition that we're talking about. And, and the word serve here implies servanthood. There's a bit of duty that comes into that. Obligation sometimes might be a little bit more harsh of a word as it relates there. And though if we take a look in our society today and the way some people approach their resources, their money, it certainly seems if we can roll through our mental Rolodex a little bit, there are some people who are in bondage to money that need to have the next best thing, the newest copy, the newest version. Uh, that is something that can really carry some heavy weight. And fortunately, if we take God's perspective towards our resources, we won't be saddled with that kind of a burden. So serving God, fortunately, comes with the blessing of being one of, at one with him in his mission. And it's a privilege to be his children. So we are heirs of God's eternal kingdom. And when we look at our resources that way, it certainly changes the picture a bit. So we've taken a look at position and posture, and now we can see a, a scripture that I've pulled here that talks about what kind of a privilege it is to be a part of God's work in the world. So it's found in 2 Corinthians, and it's a little bit of a longer scripture but I did want to take a look at that in, in a little bit of depth because I think it really tells us an important story. Paul writes, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Why? so that you can always be generous. God gives to us that we might be a blessing to others. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. So that it, you can see throughout that passage a joy. Uh, and that is where our hearts can be in that position if we take that appropriate posture and view our position towards our resources. So, in essence, stewardship is really a partnership in the work that God's doing in the world. What is a partner? Partners share in common labor for a common goal. Partners lay down their self-centered goals for the good of the partnership. Partners put their two fish and their five loaves into the hands of the one that can feed thousands. 
We give and God multiplies exponentially. And as Paul writes, that is a gift that's too wonderful for words. So we know these things. We can take those in. What challenges meet us? There's always a challenge. When we receive a blessing, there's always a challenge that seems to come with it. And uh, these might be my own personal ones, but I don't think that I'm too terribly unique in this, that fear is one of the biggest challenges that comes to me as I walk this road of faith. What if God doesn't take care of my needs? I have that scarcity mindset that there's only so big of a pool of things, and if I don't be sure to get mine, I'm going to be without. And that takes, it doesn't take the appropriate view of our God who cares for us so deeply. So a, a scripture in Luke 5 that I love. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out in, what, in the water where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And you can feel Simon's response here. Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. So he had a, a, a hesitant attitude and a mindset. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in another boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as the others were with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So we can see their response to God's generosity, leaving everything and following Jesus. So uh, and, and as we think back through that scripture again, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Peter's scarcity mindset, there's only a small pool, especially about his time and his energy. And he questioned, but ultimately followed Jesus' direction and was blessed beyond measure as a result. Imagine, if you would, if, G if Peter had declined Jesus' invitation, said, no, I'm not going to push this. I'm not going to do that. He himself would have missed out on a blessing and then ultimately his life calling because he left everything and followed Jesus. But also, um, if you think about it, how many other people, the scripture says that there were crowds of people listening to Jesus preaching. How many other people witnessed that miracle that day and came to faith? Their lives would have been changed as well. So our, our posture of following when Jesus asks us to do something is very important. We don't necessarily know what he's going to do just in our lives, but he could be doing things in the lives of those around us that we're not even aware of. So another big thing that I struggle with in my faith walk is pride. 
And that whole idea of, I don't want to give my resources to God. I want to manage them all myself. And this is an interesting thing as we look at that whole idea of power and control. I want to have control over all my things. I worked so hard for them. I don't want to see them go away. I don't know that I can trust you with them. But that drew me to a scripture as I was preparing for today in the book of Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. And we are familiar with this story as well, most of us. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. This is the story of the rich young ruler we refer to it as. But he wasn't willing to give up his comfort and wealth to follow Jesus. Can you imagine what kind of an eternal blessing that he, he passed up on? And what kind of other blessings he might have gotten as, as God walked with him through that process of selling all of his resources and taking care of those in need? He really missed out. So another thing that uh, is a challenge for us as we walk through our journey with resources is our motive. And we see this a lot in different, uh, in different aspects of life. I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but that whole idea of if I give, I'll get back more. Kind of like we're putting a, a nickel in a gumball machine just so that we can get uh, you know, something out of it. And that prosperity gospel mindset that if we do this, then we're going to get back more than what we put in. But true surrender of our resources doesn't carry any kind of an expectation of return or increase. God's riches aren't monetary. His gifts are sometimes not seen until we move on from this life. And we see stories of missionaries that have spent their lives in service to a particular area and wrestle with the fact that not many people seem to have come to faith. But after they've passed on and the next generation of ministry comes in, there is really a, a, a flow of results that have come from the seeds that were planted earlier. And another uh, thing that I love to refer to as it relates to stewardship is that it's farming. We're planting the seeds for generosity, and God is the one who controls the sunshine, the rain, uh, and the temperatures so that these things grow. So as we think about stewardship, we think about planting seeds, and we're going to let God do some amazing work through that. Now, the ugliest side of these challenges is the indifference mindset. I don't care to be a part of God's mission in the world. And it's a detached and selfish mindset. And sadly, many people take this response to the gospel and miss out on all that follows when we have a personal relationship with God. So, opportunities. What happens when we take the proper posture and the proper attitude towards our, our resources? What does it look like when God is in the driver's seat? Peace is one thing that I have certainly found in my uh, faith walk and walk as it relates to resources. And uh, I've, when I work on giving God control of all the things that I have, I think of this scripture that, um, uh, that 
talks about Peter and um, a neat story here as it relates to paying taxes. So in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27, it says, On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. I can just imagine Peter turning on his heels and and coming inside and slamming the door behind him. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked Peter, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. So as we take a look at that scripture, um, we take a look at Jesus. His response addresses our obligation to pay a tax, but it also reflects our attitude and our interaction with those people that are collecting those taxes. Jesus did not affirm Peter's shortness with them. He encouraged Peter to go, follow him, expect a miracle, and then pay that tax. So Jesus obviously has a concern for those that are in those positions. And I think oftentimes we can have a little bit of a negative mindset. I know I can personally, speaking for myself, about paying taxes and those people that collect taxes and how they're used. And, you know, Jesus really kind of sidesteps that whole issue by asking us to have the proper attitude about where we are, the taxes that we owe, and certainly the people who we pay those taxes to. So, uh, and I love how Jesus provided that miracle to pay that tax. There's no other explanation for how that could have happened. Who would know that a fish would have a big silver coin in its mouth? That's just, that's one of those things that only God can do. So, uh, also rest is another wonderful thing about what happens when we put God in charge of all of our resources. When I don't need to expend energy guarding or protecting my resources, I can enjoy rest. And the scripture that comes to mind there is in the wonderful book of Philippians, which we heard is somebody's favorite uh, book in the whole entire Bible. Um, so uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. At the mo- Paul writes, At the moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. At this same, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and forever. Amen. Statistics show that money is a significant contributor to stress and worry. And I think we live in a world that's very stressed and worried now as it relates to costs of things and future plans and what does, uh, what does this look like as I move into a, a, a phase of life where I'm on uh, limited resources. When we can rest in the knowledge that God will provide all of our needs and we put aside the notion that it's our job to determine what our needs are, we can trust him. Just like Abraham trusted that God would provide a sacrificial lamb, 
And God is still providing today. When I think of that story and when I read over that account of Abraham walking out into the wilderness with Isaac, and Isaac turns and looks at his dad and says, where's, the, where's our sacrifice? And Abraham's response was, God will provide. That seems to me to be a perfect example of, of following God, even when we don't know what the outcome is going to be, trusting that he will provide for us. So another neat part about what happens when we put God in control of our finances is engagement. And I, I just wanted to take a minute to this summer was the first time that I came down to and visited at Fairview Avenue. And Pastor John walked me around, showed me the different ministries that happen here. And I was so blessed and encouraged to see all the ways that you as a congregation reach and engage the people in this community. Uh, the, there's that old, uh, old discussion about the ministry effectiveness of, a, of a, a ministry. That is, if you were to pull up stakes and go away, would anybody know the difference? And I think I can say with a lot of ease that if this ministry was not in this place, this community would suffer. The things that, uh, the ways that, that love is shown to kids as they wait to go to school, people that have food insecurity, people who are wrestling with recovery issues. I mean, this community is one that cares deeply. And it's a blessing for me to be here and to share this with you because you're already practicing a lot of, of these things here as it relates to engagement and giving your resources, time, talents, and treasures to serve others. So uh, that whole idea of engagement, that we can be a part of God's kingdom ministry. And God's call to salvation is more than just paying homage to his greatness and submission to his power. God calls us to be in relationship with him, walking day to day with him, seeking his will in the way that we live and relate to those around us. So we're blessed for the reason and purpose to be a blessing to others. And God allows us to partner with him in reaching the world with this good news. We are loved. We're forgiven. And we can live in this love and forgiveness for eternity with him. To accept this free gift, we just need to freely give up all that we are and all that we have to him. And in exchange, we become his children. And all of his promises become our reality. In the book of Hebrews, the author encourages us to lay aside all those things which distract us from full commitment to God in chapter 12. Okay, so we've seen the, we've talked about posture and position. We've talked about what our challenges are if we, uh, if we run our own resources ourselves. We see some of the benefits if we have God run those and we give these things to him. But what do we do now? First, we need to really ask ourselves if we're willing to open our lives to God's leadership. You know, this is, this is not my home congregation. I don't know where you're at as you sit here this morning. Some of you may be people who have followed God for a very, very long time. Some of you might still be wrestling with this whole issue of, do I even really believe this? And so I just wanted to stop at, at, at this point and say, have we surrendered our lives and our will and accepted God's free gift of salvation? If you're in that place of, of wondering what I'm talking about and wondering if this is for you and thinking, you know what, I really feel something happening in my heart. Um, 
I encourage you to take this step of stewardship, the first and foremost step of stewardship, giving our lives to God today. Um, there will be people available at the end of the service today to pray with you. If this is something you're interested in, come on up. Pastor John, myself, one of the other leaders of the church would be very happy to pray that prayer with you. Some of you might be in that place that you are, have been following God and walking with him for a long time. I think we can consistently ask ourselves, are the fruit of the Spirit on display in my life? When people interact with me, are they seeing love, joy, peace, patience, tolerance? Um, I, I know on any given day, or whether I'm in the car or not, can impact uh, which one of those fruits of the Spirit are on display more or less. Um, so, yeah, we can all work on practicing the, the gifts of the Spirit in our lives today. Um, another aspect to consider, do we have accountability in place? If I'm working towards these goals of personal stewardship, do I have somebody that's walking that journey with me? So uh, a spiritual mentor or discipleship partner is a great thing to have. As we look at our resources, do we view everything as God's? Are we in a posture of stewardship with our tithes, our offerings, our time, and our talents? Then the, here's the real challenge. Does our calendar and our checkbook reflect that? If we look at our, our checkbook and our calendar, that will be the best test of where we spend our time and our resources. So maybe we're doing well in some of these areas, but not all of those. I encourage you as you... Um, are here today, that you make a commitment to surrender some aspect of your life even more to God today, whether it's resources or some aspect of uh, the treasure that he's blessed you with. So uh, in my life, personal story, when things start to go off the rails, it's really easy to see that I have taken God's place in the center of my life. Uh, only when I ask his forgiveness and ask that he restore himself to the throne in my life, to things return to the proper order. So let's love God and others with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and lean on him for wisdom in the way that we should spend our time, our talent, and our treasures. Um, just want to dig in and a little bit more personal story with me of our stewardship journey. So my wife and I started this stewardship journey when we were in our mid-30s. We had two daughters at that point. Um, our finances were a mess. Our, our credit cards were all maxed out. Uh, we didn't have a budget in place. Everything was out of whack. And so we got to that place where we realized we needed to turn all these things over to God for it to make any kind of sense. So as we turned our finances, our talents, and our time over to God, things slowly but steadily came into order and new opportunities appeared. It took a lot of work and we had to continuously surrender to God's plan. There's a lot of easy side roads that come up when we really try and do things the right way and it takes discernment to sort through those things and follow what God has for us rather than what we want to do ourselves. So our giving journey, we prioritize tithing to the church. We also support ministries locally, regionally, and globally. And we've made plans to include the church in our estate plans when we reach the end of our lives. 
We actively invest our time in the lives of others, and we use our musical talents regularly. And I was joking with Rod and Bonnie this morning that had I known there was an empty spot here for a bass player, I would have brought my bass along and helped out with that too. Because I get, that's one of the ways that God fills up my cup. Definitely does. So, um, yeah, let's see here. Uh, I want to show a little bit about one of the ministries that we support. And I put some information on the table out there about the SPICE program. And it's a sponsorship program for international children's education is what SPICE stands for. And my wife Dawn took a trip in 2007 to build the foundation of that building that you see in the slide. And that uh, youth hostel that you see there is one of nine SPICE hostels that serve in India and Nepal, and they serve over 800 children. And uh, my joke with that picture on the other side of those little girls is they are the real Spice Girls. You know, for those of us who were in the 90s and can remember that band. Anyway, um, so since my wife came back from that trip, we have supported the Spice program uh, ever since. And we uh, love the fact that, that the program gives safety, shelter, food, and a Christ-centered education to kids that would have been stuck in generational poverty or even worse, into the sex trades. And that is a reality for kids growing up in that environment, a very real situation. And so it chokes me up every time I think about and look at that picture with, there's probably 80 kids um, that are in that picture on the, on the one side. And um, you just think of the impact they can have for God that they would not have had without this program. So it makes that uh, $18 a month for one kiddo definitely look real easy. And so, uh, yeah, we see our contributions as a tool for God to change lives. When we put our loaves and fishes in his hands, we are a part of his plan to reach the lost with his love. I can't imagine what life would be like if we weren't following God's lead in the use of our time, talents, and treasures. Stewardship is a part of our faith journey that I hope you don't miss out on. It's an amazing ride. So um, that's about uh, all I had for today, but I would love to wrap us up in prayer before turning the mic back over to Pastor John. Let's pray. Father, all that we have is yours. Whether we've surrendered it, surrendered it or not, it is yours. Help us to realize that you created everything, you sustain everything, and you know the future of all things. Thank you for the privilege of being your children and being in relationship with you. May we view all that we have as opportunities to share your love and care with those who don't know you. May we honor you in all that we say and we do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>